Hi, everyone. Benjamin Smith here, pastor of Revealing Truth Ministries, Wesley Chapel. You know, God is always speaking good things to us, and he has a word for you today. We are sure of it. Take some time out to listen, and we'll be back as soon as we're done. God bless you. This is my Bible. I can be what it says I can be. I can do what it says I can do. I can have what it says I can have. Every verse is God breathed and I aim to live by every word. It is essential to my faith foundation and works to change me from the inside out into the person God created me to be. That is why I shall never let it go. It is reliable, it is the truth, it is divine, it is the word of God, and shall forever be to me my Bible. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, family, you know, we've been talking about our vision for 2023, which, by the way, is the same vision for 2022 because that vision doesn't end, doesn't end, it keeps rolling forward. And we're still trying to get into the place where we get that vision completed. Here's a quick snapshot. Take this image right here. It's very, it's very condensed, very clean. It's not what you've seen before, but here we go. In that vision, we have three categories. The categories are rebuild, restore, and re-engage. Now, rebuild, restore, and re-engage, that's the order of those categories actually in our vision statement or our vision graphic, but we are not taking them in that sequence. We're taking them in a different, different sequence. What is that sequence? Well, as you notice there, we're gonna start with restore, then go into re-engage, then go into rebuild. We're taking that order because we asserted something. We asserted that, listen, you can't start at rebuild. It actually works in a different order. Quite frankly, before you rebuild anything, there must be motivation to get the idea that I must re-engage. And before you re-engage, you must first have the confidence restored. We went through a couple of examples that kind of drove the justification for why are we saying that we need to start with restore. Restore what? Restore confidence in God. Restore confidence in yourself. Restore confidence in, in other people. Why do we want to start with restore? Quite frankly, it's simple. We, we gave you two quick examples last week. One involved marriage. We said if someone's either, they say they're in a marriage, let's go that route first. If someone's in a marriage family and the marriage is just not working well with them, not sitting well with them, something up for whatever reason, you're not going to just step in there and say, okay, that person's going to get in the mindset, I'm going to rebuild this marriage. No, it works in the reverse of that. Before that person rebuilds that marriage, they need to first be motivated to re-engage. Motivated that this, this whole thing is going to be worth this effort. And before re-engaging takes, takes place, they need to have their confidence restored in the institution of marriage taking that from the restore. If I can restore your confidence in the institution of marriage, 
then the idea of re-engaging with your partner to try to get this thing to work takes root. If that thing takes root, then you will have the conviction to start building. The same thing if a person just absolutely got out of a bad marriage. In order for them to be to the point to where rebuilding a life with marriage in it is going to happen, they need to first have their confidence in the institution of marriage restored. Then the idea of re-engaging another him or another her in this whole situation I just got out of again will take root. And then maybe marriage can be rebuilt as a part of their life. What about it, class or testing? If you have a student that's great, just great in everything, but then they hit that little element of a class that caused them problems, you don't automatically just get them back to a rebuilt student. They must first have the confidence restored that they can do it. And once they get that confidence restored, then they'll be motivated to re-engage. Once they re-engage, you can ultimately get them back to being that student that you know they can be. I want to add two more to your kitty today of just justification of why restored confidence is the, is the linchpin to this whole thing. We're going to start with sports. There are a ton of sports analogies, and, and quite frankly, loved ones, what we're about to share, it happens at all ages and all performance levels. Everyone kind of gets the idea that you can have someone that's like a little leaguer or a young kid that loses confidence in hitting that baseball or kicking that soccer ball or swimming in that pool or dancing or dancing in that, that routine. What surprises many people, though, is that damage or lost confidence also happens at the professional level. Take this example. In American football, there is a, posi there is, there is a position called field goal kicker. And if you've ever looked at a football field, there are, there are the, the goal posts stand like a big U, and this, 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 this guy, this, the majority of the people I've seen play football, guys, men, so I'm saying this guy has one job. <laughs> Ain't got to remember a whole bunch of plays or nothing. Take your foot and kick the ball through the uprights, as they call them. There are documented cases of professional field goal kickers who are facing a very high pressure kick. Game to win the championship. Game to, to do something that's never been done before. This is his moment. By the way, he's a very, 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 very good kicker. But in that moment, when his foot touches that ball, he misses. He misses, and that miss results in emotional trauma 
that tanks his confidence in what he was currently doing before that moment very, 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 very well. From that point forward, he can't seem to get it right. Every kick that used to go right down the middle, he kick it, go to the left. He kick it, go to the right. He can't do it. He's trying to get himself back to be the athlete he knows he is, trying to rebuild to that spot. He's trying to even get himself to re-engage, talking to himself. You can do this. You can do this. You can do this. You can do this. But the fact of the matter is he's lost confidence. And that one moment that tanked his confidence now has him two things. Has him not being able to do what he had previously done with ease. And number, number, number two, that's the first thing. Number two is this. He is no longer able to do what he has spent his whole life training to do. He didn't lose the skill. He didn't lose the leg strength. What he lost is his confidence that he could do. And from that moment on, he falls out of the ranks until eventually he's out of the league. That happens in football, happens in basketball, happens in swimming, happens in, in the golf. You name it. It can happen in cornhole. It don't matter. If you lose confidence, something that you've done over and over and over again all your life, you, you, you won't be able to make it. What about this one, personal appearance? We're going to approach this one this way. You could have a person who is an extrovert, happy, life of the party. <laughs> you got to be careful. This man dropping iPads. I don't know how to take that. <laughs> you drop an iPad, you, you either let it either slip or you nod it. <laughs> All right, all right. He said, it slipped, Pastor. It slipped, Pastor. That ain't like dropping a tissue box. Back in the day, I don't know, you, some of you younger people don't know this. Back in the day, you know, cell phones didn't fit in your pocket. They were a bag phone. Put them under the car, your seat. Had big antennas with them. By the way, they worked very well. But they got hot when used. Fast forward, when they first came out with phones, Phones weren't super expensive like they are now. And them things were tough. I dropped my phone, nothing. I just stepped on my phone, nothing. And I had, well, I had a slider phone, a flip phone, and them phones were indestructible, made to last. Now they got these big screen phones. Drop them if you want to. And then they got the nerve. Got no, cause I, I know I didn't, I didn't try it. You know, you get the warranty on the phone. And the first time they got me on this, because they don't tell you. See, when you, if I get a warranty on your product, if it breaks, you're supposed to give me a new one. No, they say, you got a deductible. I'm like, what I bought? Car insurance? 
No, sir. What you have to first pay $150, $170, and then we will give you, hey, not a new phone, a refurbished phone. Trash. Because that thing never worked right. I don't care how much they fix it. So, that's why I said, okay, listen, if you drop an iPad, it's something going on. But he said, Pastor, it slipped, it slipped, it slipped. All right. We gonna run with that. Anyway, personal appearance. A person can be the, the, the life of the party. I'm talking about they like going out with people. They like hanging out. They like talking to people. They like being the center of attention. That person could love nothing more than being among the masses and conversing. I'm talking, it's their thing until that certain person or certain people call them ugly. If that label sticks, that label right there damages their confidence. Now, where, gosh, they used to absolutely love being around people. The more people, the merrier. That script has flipped. Being among others is the worst scenario they can conjure up. Why? Because when they're among people, when they used to not really give it much thought of their personal appearance, now when they're among other people and people are looking at them, every gaze, they are wondering, what are they thinking? And you know, they could be thinking how handsome they are. That's, that's one of the prettiest people I've ever seen. Wow, they are so well-dressed. But as for the person who's taken on that label, that's not the thoughts that they think they're thinking. The thoughts that they're thinking as they gaze at them are thinking, they're thinking, I'm ugly. And where being among people used to give them life and energy, now when they're among people, it's a traumatic experience. All because that one word is now attached to them and tank their confidence. That discussion there on personal appearance gives us an opportunity to have me share with you our second statement on the topic restore. We had a statement on the topic restore in our previous session, but you didn't see it in script. I just told it to you. But now I want to show you that we're going to read it together and Let's talk about our second restore statement. Here we go. For restore or a restoration, you know, it's all a different uh, aspect of the same word. Statement. Read this first statement with me. Ready? Go. No real engagement happens until confidence is, confidence is restored. Let's read that again. Because, Pastor, you messed it up. I heard that from the back. <laughs> Actually, I heard it from the front right here, but you know what? We don't want to point nobody out today. 
Ready? Let's go. No real engagement happens until... No... Oh. Let me read it first. No real re-engagement happens. Okay, I'm ready. Let's go. No real re-engagement happens until confidence is restored. Thank you. Thank you. And by the way, for, for people who don't know, I ask people to stop me if I say something wrong. If I read it wrong, stop me. Stop me. I appreciate, appreciate that. Even though my daughter said it was a little bit too much, mm, you know. I love my kids. Here is your, here's your second one, though, because re-engagement and confidence come together in two ways. Restored confidence, family, is not only a prerequisite for re-engagement. There's something else. Ready? Let's go. Restored confidence is also the key to unlocking latent potential. Restored confidence can unlock potential that has been laying, laying dormant within a person. Reflecting back on our personal appearance scenario and that word ugly, consider this. Assume that a woman is in a relationship with a man. And we're going to call this woman Sheila. Okay. <laughs> oh, Sheila. Oh, oh, oh. Get this. Check this out. I've told you this story before, but this story, just, it's just too good. Every time I think about it. Ready for the world. R&B group back in my day. Jerry curl dripping, boys guitars, and they stand straight when they, when they sing. You know, they ain't move too much. They ain't want that grease to get all on them, so they was doing their thing. Well, when, when Grant and I were younger, Grant and I have been together since high school. When Grant and I were younger, we went to grad night at Disney World, and Ready for the World was one of the headliners. Now, Ready for the World... At that time, they were just coming up. Their songs were, were, were really, really big. But also what was going on at that time, there was unrest between countries. And there was this big thing that, like, Gaddafi or someone was going to bomb the United States. And almost to the point to where they were, they were going to be canceling things like grad nights because they didn't want people coming together in large quantities. But they let grad night happen. Now, when grad night's going on and Ready for the World is up there doing their thing, I'm hanging out with Greta. You know, it's grad night, so it's night, so I'm hanging out with Greta. And at one point, I turn my back to the stage, right? And so, because, you know, I'm with my girl, right? So we're trying to have grad night. And Greta said, and when my back is turned, some pyrotechnical, boom, boom. <laughs> Seconds later, I'm like eight to ten feet away from Greta. I'm moving. I'm like, and Greta is laughing so hard. I'm like, girl, I thought the news had came true. Greta said, you laughing, girl. You got to keep up. <laughs> you got to be ready. 
Stay ready and got to get ready. Stay ready and got to get ready. Get ready, get ready, get ready. Anyway, so let's call her a different name. Let's call her. Is there anyone in here named Roberta? No, Roberta. Okay, so I'm gonna. No, I try to make sure I ain't got no nobody name. And so Roberta. So Roberta is in a relationship with a man named Herb. Peace and Herb. <laughs> Reunited and it feels so good. We're gonna keep Herb though. Let's keep Herb. Let's keep him. That's okay. So he. They're in a relationship. Now, it can be boyfriend, girlfriend. It can be husband, wife. It doesn't matter. The scenario still works the same. And something else just hit my mind just a second. In this example, ladies, I want you to know this could be either from a man's, happening to a man or happening to a woman. It doesn't really matter. Number one. Number two, I also want to tell you this. And I, I, I like to share this when I, when I talk, talk to ladies because I want to make sure they understand my heart. A lot of times examples that I'll talk about, like with the women and the men and the relationships, I am never saying, never saying that as a woman, you need a man to complete you. That is nothing farther from the truth. In many aspects, a man can make you less if you don't choose right. So just understand those with those caveats, you understand where your past is coming from. I know we never have that issue because I'm always trying to make clear that what, what I'm saying and how. So I thank you for giving me that latitude. But let's keep going. So we have Roberta in a relationship with her. And her, he don't, he don't treat her right. Relationship's not that good. He, call, he calls her ugly. He calls her unattractive. He says she's incapable. And all of these things that he says to her begins to work in her psyche until the point to where she shrinks back into the negative emotional mold that he has created for her. It just happens. Fast forward through some time and it just doesn't work out. They're no longer together. As a matter of fact, Herb is not, no longer there. It was his idea because he felt he could get better. So he left. Even in his leaving, though, she still retained something. That negative image of herself. He didn't take that with him because she's taken on as a label. Time passes, though. She meets a new man, Jim. And you know what Jim does? Jim tells her that she's smart, attractive, a queen, beautiful, capable of anything and everything. The more he keeps pouring in, something begins to happen. His pouring in begins to 
swing her confidence from negative to positive. All of a sudden, wow, she begins to bloom. Not just bloom, she begins to, to strive, thrive. Public speaker, entrepreneur, fashionista, start to dress different. Everything about her begins to turn and change and move into the positive direction. One day while she's out and about, guess who she bump into? Herd. Bumping the herd. And he sees her, maybe by happenstance, in the same store, turn the aisle and boom, there he go. And he says to her, wow. You look different. No, if you look amazing. What has changed? <laughs> Roberta, right there on aisle nine, next to the boxes of cereal. Say, well, you know, Herb, it's like what the Bible say. When the old man pass away, <laughs> behold, all things become new. You see, Herb, when my old man passed away, everything got better. The sun shined brighter. The sky seemed bluer when the old man, her, that's you, the old man passed away. The air seemed fresher. The sound of the birds was sweeter. Food tasted better. The air was fresher. Her, when the old man passed away. When the old man passed away, joy and laughter came back home. When the old man passed away, I took on a new fragrance. It's called happiness. When the old man passed away, the fresh and the new arrived. The reality is, loved one, Herb was looking at the same female package. The package didn't change. What changed? What changed was she had a restored confidence. And that restored confidence because of his, the, the, because the new man's supportive, positive words and actions. That confidence began to bloom as he continued to tell her things that picked up her self-esteem, that got her to get away from that old label. And once she got that confidence back, that confidence switched on capabilities in her. And family, 
it didn't switch on capabilities that were not there. It switched on gifts and capabilities that had always been there. It turned on things inside of her that had been latent, dormant. And once those things got turned on, hmm, the real her could be seen. Family, when, it's, when it comes down to confidence, confidence restores you. Confidence restores the true valuable you. Confidence unlocks your true, your real valuable design. Now, in that example, what we do is we kind of throw out a form of scripture. And that scripture, as it's really written, that scripture is really about a change, exchanging your old life with the new life in Christ. Let me show it to you. Because what we never want to do, I never want to do, is misquote or misuse or make light of scripture. That's not what we're trying to do. We never do that. But the scripture as it's written, 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 17, this is the King James Version, says, therefore, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. All things are passed away. Behold, all things are become new. That verse, although what we said she told her is not scripture, it does give us the framework for a statement that matches our vision very well. Notice. This says, therefore, if any man, meaning mankind, so if any man or woman, so if any child or any boy, if any girl, if any male, if any female. So we're going to say if any person. If we read the scripture directly, it says, therefore, if any person be in Christ, he or she is a new creature. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things are become new. Here is how I want you to hear your vision as it relates to restore. Therefore, if any person gains confidence, he or she is a new creature. All things are passed away. Behold, they recognize their true valuable design. See that? If any person gains confidence, they are a new creature. Old things are passed away. Behold, we can say it more directly, behold, they are restored to their true valuable design. Family, if you don't know it, you are valuable. If it 
doesn't sink into you, I pray that it does, you're valuable. Last session, we talked about that God is always there and that he knows that you should get your confidence restored in that. Today, let's talk about restoring your confidence in the valuable you. Picking back up at Psalm 139, where we left off, we jump into verse 13. Remember, we're talking about this through the Message Bible and the voice translation. The Message Bible says, Oh, yes, you shaped me, talking about God, first, inside and out. You formed me in my mother's womb. The voice translation says this. For you shaped me inside and out. You knitted me together in my mother's womb long before I took my first breath. Family, you are not just a sack of skin and bones that God threw together. The Bible says that he shaped you. Meaning first he designed you, then he formed you, he made you and brought you into existence. The voice translation or voice version says he knitted you, attempting to give you the idea that he took his time. Knitting is a process that's meticulous, connecting every nerve, connecting every vein and artery to its right place. Hey, making you how you are. God took the time to do that. Next one. Verses 14 through 15, the message. I thank you, high God, you're breathtaking. Body and soul, I marvelously made. I worship in adoration, what a creation. You know me inside and out. You know every bone in my body. You know exactly how I was made bit by bit, how I was sculpted, sculpted from nothing into something, the voice. I will offer you my grateful heart for I am your unique creation. Filled with wonder and awe, you have approached even the smallest details with excellence. Your works are wonderful. I carry this knowledge deep within my soul. You see all things, nothing about me was hidden from you as I took shape in secret, carefully crafted in the heart of the earth before I was born from this womb. Family, the Bible says in Genesis chapter one that you are made in the image and likeness of God. Also, David said in a psalm about Genesis one, God, what is man that you are mindful of him? What is it about this human form that you decided to make him just a little bit lower than God himself? You are valuable. The Bible says that you are a marvelous, unique creation. Family, God carefully crafted you. Sculpted you bit by bit. Nobody takes time on such a design if they don't think that design has value. You are wonderful. You're wonderful. See, your works, God, are wonderful. Verse 14, your works are wonderful. You are a work of God and you are wonderful. 
and you have value. And you need to know that. Need to know it. Get this. Not just in half-hearted words that you mumble to yourself in disbelief. You need to say it and you need to mean it. You need to embrace it. You need to receive it. You need to grasp it. You need to hold on to it. And you need to say it with the confidence that it deserves. You are valuable. You're wonderful. You need to say it. You need to believe it. No matter what you've been told before, you're wonderful and you're valuable. No matter what others have said or what you say to yourself, you're valuable. Any negative narrative that comes your way to try to diminish the fact that you're valuable is false. The fact is you have value. Well, Pastor, my mama never told me that I was valuable. Not by what your mama told you. And family, we must, we, everybody say must. must. We must get out of that hamster wheel, that cycle, that mindset, that process of living your life and receiving as your image Whatever your image is based on what somebody else told you. It's not about what somebody else told you. It's about what God says about you. And God says that you are crafted bit by bit. He says you are marvelous. He says you are unique. So whether your mama told you you were valuable or not, it don't matter. You're valuable. It don't matter if your daddy ever told you. It don't matter if your friends ever told you you valuable. I'm telling you right now. It don't matter what your, what your pastor told you before. He was wrong. She was wrong. You're valuable. It doesn't even matter what you've been mumbling to yourself. You wrong. You're valuable. You are wonderful and you have value and you need to carry that knowledge down deep in your soul as a possession that you refuse to let go. I don't care what your husband said about you. You're valuable. I don't care what your wife said about you. You're valuable. Don't take any narrative that says anything different. Some of the worst things that can happen in our children's life is they run up against a teacher that's flipping at the mouth and somehow tell them they're not valuable or not capable or that they're anything different than what God told them to be. And now you're left to pick up the pieces of some ignorant adult that has no idea of the power of their words. You keep telling your children that they're valuable, that they're unique that they're wonderful, that they're capable. Because they are. If that confidence gets lost, they will pick up a struggle 
to do things going forward. That label will stick. And we, I'm, 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 in, my, I'm in my kid bag. But sometimes, as adults, we'll try to couch a negative word to a child as if you're just telling the truth. I'm just quoting what I see. I'm just saying it like it is. And what you saying, what you are saying might be accurate. But your timing in saying it and your delivering what you're saying can be far from righteous. If what you are saying is stripping their confidence and creating in them a hindrance for going forward in life, you are wrong, even though your facts are right. Every time you speak to that child, it should be to build. Every time you speak to that child, it needs to be to take barriers out of their life, not put barriers on. As someone who is black, as an African-American, there are enough challenges I have to face. I don't need my mama giving me any more. I have enough challenges in this world. I don't need my daddy giving me any more. I don't, I don't need teachers giving me any more. I got enough to deal with. I don't need anybody poking at my confidence. Somewhere deep in your soul where nobody's words can get to it. Keep the knowledge that you're wonderful and you're valuable. Lock that thing away. Verse 16. Psalm 139, verse 16, the Message Bible. Like an open book, you watch me grow from conception to birth. All the stages of my life were spread out before you. The days of my life all prepared before I'd even lived one day. The voice. You see all things. You saw me growing, changing in my mother's womb. Every detail of my life was already written in your book. You established the length of my life before I ever tasted the sweetness of it. Family, we, we, we know God saw us as we grew and matured in the womb. But sometimes we think after we're born, God's done with us. No, God watches you through all the stages of your life. He watches every detail of your life. And nobody watches every detail of anything they feel has no value. When the last time you kept track of the styrofoam in your house? I mean, you, you, you got a box from your favorite home delivery and it was packed real good. When the last time you stopped everything and had to turn around in your house because, oh my God, I can't remember where my bubble wrap is. 
Now, unless you're in the styrofoam business or the bubble wrap business, that doesn't drive you to do anything because it's not that valuable to you. But lose your three-carat diamond ring. I'm not talking about, I'm talking about real carrots, not Bugs Bunny carrots, real carrots. You lose that, lose that ring. Or, or let's, let's take it, let's take it more to just today. You see this phone? You see this phone right here? Mess around. Come back from the mall. Look in your purse or fill in your pocket. And you say to yourself, oh, my Lord, I ain't got my phone. You could be on your way to take dinner to your mama. Then picked it up. Told mama she gonna be eating by 8 p.m. Mess around and forget that phone at the mall. You will go back to that mall and you just said to yourself, you, you, you just not telling the truth, rascal. You, you just said to yourself when you got out of the mall, you say, oh, that traffic is horrible. I'm so glad I ain't got to go back there no more. I, ain't, I, I wouldn't ever get myself back in that day. Forget that phone. You are turning that car around and you're, you're, you're fighting the traffic back again. And you're not just at the mall. You going to every store. You backtracking. Already said your feet was hurting. Your feet ain't hurting no more. You're moving quickly to try to find your phone. And when you find your phone, when you find it, it's like the best R&B love song <laughs> that you ever could think of. Reunited. And it feels so good. Let me hold you tight if only for one night. <laughs> what it, what's, on your, what's on your mind? It, it, it doesn't matter what the device is. But if you, if, you, if you put value on it, you don't want your life without it. If you put value on it, your attention's towards it. And family, God values you through all the stages of your life. You're valuable to him. Verses 17 and 18. The Message Bible. Your thoughts, how rare, how beautiful. God, I'll never comprehend them. I couldn't even begin to count them any more than I could count the sand of the sea. Oh, let me rise in the morning and, all, and live always with you. The voice, your thoughts and plans are treasures to me. Oh God, I cherish each and every one of them. How grand in scope, how many in number. If I could count each of them, they would be more than all the grains of sand on earth. Their number is inconceivable. Even when I wake up, I am still near to you. Family, God's thoughts and his plans are things you should cherish. And one of the main reasons you should cherish God's thoughts and plans is that God's thoughts and plans include you. 
Notice this. Focusing in now on verse 17. Watch this here. When we think about God's thoughts and plans, Jeremiah 29, 11, King James says, for I know the thoughts I think towards you, says the Lord. Thoughts of peace and not of evil to give you an expected end. The voice translation of that says, and don't you forget it. Family, God's thoughts and plans of you and for you are for your good and don't forget it. They're to give you peace in your final outcome and don't forget it. What does Jesus say in John 10, 10, Amplified Classic? The thief comes only in order to steal and kill and destroy. I came that they may have and enjoy life and have it in abundance to the full till it overflows. God's thoughts of you are that you have a life full and overflowing. By the way, with, with good things. You don't have a plan like that for someone that you feel has no value. You have value to God. Next image. Now, if we focus on verse 18, I want you to notice something here. Verse 18 ends and it says, even when I wake up, I am still near to you. Loved ones, being near to God, even when you wake up. So the very instant you wake up, you're near to God. That is an indication of someone who meditates on God. As far as getting near to God, James says this, easy to read verse eight. We're going to read just the first sentence. It says, come near to God and he will come near to you. That part of the message Bible says, say a quiet yes to God and he'll be there in no time. Sometimes when people read that and they talk it through, the image that hits people's minds is that you take a step close to God, he take a step close to you. No, God's already there. What he's saying is, if you go ahead and you, 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 you come, come my way to accept my love, to, to live this life, that's how you get closer to God. He's not, he's, he's, he doesn't have to move. He's already there. Revelation says it best. Jesus says, here I am. I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and the door and opens the door, I will come in and eat with that person and they with me. Already there knocking. Already at the door of your heart knocking. Already there. Think of it this way. Imagine that you are standing in a room and above your head is this big container of water. Really big that you can feel it if it comes on you, but not that it hurts you. So a really big, you know, bag of water, like a game show. Hanging from there, 
is a string connected to a plug. To get wet, all you got to do is pull the plug. God's already there. All you got to do is open the door, pull the plug. And in an instant, you're immersed in him. So drawing near to God comes through meditation. What, what, what do I mean? Meditation, studying his word, times of communion with him, prayer. All those things are things that you should cherish. Why does this all connect? Because as you begin to do that, his thoughts start becoming your thoughts. Here is the progression. You draw nearer to God, all of a sudden, you become more and more like him. As you become more and more like him, his thoughts begin to influence your thoughts, and now your thoughts start to be his thoughts. And when your thoughts become his thoughts, because his thoughts of you are that you're valuable, that you have worth, that you're wonderful, that you are a marvelous creation, that you are capable, that you are beautiful, that you are great, whatever good word you want to put in there, they become your thoughts. So first you draw near, then you start becoming like him, start thinking like him. And God's thoughts of you, family, that you're valuable. The valuable you. We want to restore your confidence that you have value. And if anyone's ever told you anything different, it's not true because God says, you are a marvelous, unique creation. Well, you know, Pastor, wasn't that, that David that said that? Be quiet. <laughs> Just be quiet. We're not here to debate. What I'm, what I'm trying to do is I'm trying to share a perspective that hopefully changes or eliminates any negative self-talk or label that you have on the inside. You're made in his image and his likeness. God didn't do everything he did through Christ for someone who has no value. How's that? I want you to say something with me. Then we'll wrap up for today. Because you having value is something that I can tell you, but until you believe it, you will keep going through the same cycle of self-doubt, self-defeat, not being able to kick that field goal, even though you're capable. 
So here's our, here's our statement. Ready? Say this. I am wonderful. I am valuable. I will take this and hold it far down deep in my soul. I will never allow others' words or actions to cause me to pick up a negative narrative that says anything different. I'm wonderful. I'm valuable. That's it. I'm settled. Amen. You're settled. And the next time we are together, we will talk about restoring others' confidence. That God is there, that he knows, and that they too have value. Loved ones, let's pray. God, I thank you that every single person here has had a heart to receive what you had to say. And they don't take it lightly. We are going to live lives where we have a restored confidence. And we know that confidence in God, confidence in ourselves, and confidence in others is just the start. Just the three that we pick, God, but there are three big ones, starting with confidence in you. And you have said in your word, it shows us and tells us that we have value. And if we're going to take on any outside input, we're going to take that. The value that you see in us, that's the value that we want to see in ourselves. I decree right now in the name of Jesus, every heart, every mind will leave here either settled that they have value or if they still struggle and wrestle with any thought to the contrary that the words that we've shared here today will wage war on that thought and that thought will ultimately be turned and torn down mm. it's in Jesus name that we pray Amen. Well, that's what God had to say to us today. We pray that it blessed you. As always, we pray that the word of God blesses you, not just years from now or months from now or weeks from now, not even days from now, but we pray that you got something out of the message today that would change your life immediately. God bless you and look forward to chatting with you next time.